Don't Fear the Wasteland, an apocalyptic broadcast. Testing. Testing. One, two, three. All right, then. I woke with a headache and found my pistol missing. Across the small dark room, a man sat against the wall with his hands tied up and bruises across his face. He watched me as I tried to sit up and felt the world spin. Easy there, he said to me as I attempted to shake the vertigo away. I think they hit me, I mumbled. Where are we? Basement. I've been down here two days, no food or water. Wasn't even sure if they were still upstairs. Thought maybe they left me for dead. His voice was dry, raspy. What do they want? Who are they? I asked. My head hurt something fierce. I raised my hands to fill the tender area and found my wrists were tied together, but not to anything else. Lazy bandits. The strange man looked at me as I slid a pocket knife out of my boot and began to work on my ties. He laughed when the bonds fell. It was cheap nylon rope and took little effort to get out of. With a wobble, I stood and made my way across the room to let the stranger free. I pointed the knife at him first, though. You gonna behave if I set you loose? Scout's honor, he said, holding up three fingers. I cut his ties and he thanked me, rubbing at his wrist. Is there a back door out of here? I asked, and he pointed to the other side of the room. Behind some shelves and a lot of junk, a short staircase ended in two sheet metal doors. They were padlocked with a chain wrapped around the handles on this side, leaving us with only one way out. I'm Michael, by the way, the man told me. Sheriff, I replied curtly. His eyebrow rose at my answer. That a nickname? Sort of. Surname, I told him. What are you, military? He asked, and I felt irritated at his need to chat when we were at the mercy of at least two psychopaths who weren't above tying people up in the basement and leaving them without food or water. The back of my head was crunchy with dried blood, and the last thing I wanted to do was chit-chat with a stranger named Michael in a basement of attempted murderers. No, was the only answer he got, as I traced the walls around to find the other entrance. Steep stairs led up to a wooden door. No light came from the other side. How long was I out? I asked him. A couple hours, I'd guess. They brought you down and dumped you in the corner. Did you see all the dead bodies in the main room? I asked him as I started up the steps. It's why I'm here, he answered, but didn't explain. At the top of the steps, I placed my ear against the door and listened as closely as I could. There was no sound on the other side. I found the door unlocked and slowly pressed it outward. No one was out there that I could see. We were in a kitchen, dusty and disorganized with empty cans of food all over the floor. Someone had eaten well. With my pocket knife still ready, I started towards the back door and found it nailed shut. I tried to yank on it quietly, but it wasn't budging. Inspection proved that all the windows had been nailed shut as well. My blood pressure rose, and I figured we were going to die here. What can I say? I'm hella optimistic. Down the hallway, voices drifted, both likely male and likely drunk. I sidled down the hall, quietly as I could, and peered around the corner. In a side room, two men sat, backs to the door, staring at a dark TV screen. They passed a wine bottle back and forth between them, this one obviously not drugged. Their conversation was strange. Something about bleeding an angel and transcending time. That must have been some wine. 
Michael and I tiptoed by the door and continued on. We came upon the main room soon enough without running into anyone else. The smell of death was stronger here and I gagged against it. Michael seemed unbothered. In the office, beyond the altar, something crashed against the wall and a voice yelled out in anger. I backed up, stepping on Michael's feet, and we hid in the hallway. The pastor appeared, or at least the man dressed like one. His authenticity wasn't the most pressing matter, so I let it go. I wasn't sure what to do. We could backtrack to the basement, but the path to the only unnailed door was on the other side of the priest. The man stomped our way and I backed down the hallway a little, hoping to take him by surprise and hoping he didn't have my pistol. Michael stepped in front of me. I didn't have time for chivalry, but before I could stop him, Michael was striding out into the main room and he was glowing. He took the shock priest's head in his hands and the man's eyes burned in his skull. He shrieked for what seemed like ages until Michael dropped him to the ground. The priest lay there clutching his head, blind and moaning. From the office doorway, another man knelt quickly and put up his hands. Don't hurt me, man, please, he begged. Michael strolled towards him and he flinched. Michael laid a hand on the man's forehead and a red mark appeared burnt into the flesh. The man gasped and fell over. Let's go, Sheriff, Michael said to me. He took my pistol from the man on the floor and handed it back. Outside, the horse was grazing where I'd left it and my saddlebags were intact. What the hell was that? I asked Michael, not yet recovered from my shock. I came to escort the dead across and found these monsters instead. Now they're blind and marked and no one will offer them shelter for their sins. I pray they will repent before they make it to our gates. His glowing had dissipated. What the hell are you? The pistol in my hand didn't feel heavy enough to take on whatever he was. I'm Michael he said simply. Now go, Sheriff, and bury your mother. Your journey will be smooth from here on out. He took my hand and led me to my horse. There's a Michael in the Bible, I said to him as I climbed into the saddle. There is, but you shouldn't believe everything you read, he replied, smiling up at me. Now go. I have work here to do. As I rode out of the gate, he was glowing again. I wondered how the men had gotten the drop on him originally. The trip to Mobile was devoid of people and danger. I was alone in my head with my thoughts, which were entirely of Michael and the show he'd put on. As I rode through the gate to my old house, I was suddenly overtaken by memories. The house still stood as did the barn, and out in the field, far out, wooden crosses still rose from the dirt. I let the horse wander inside the fence as I took a breath and climbed the porch steps. I was prepared for just about anything. Ma still hanging or rotted and in pieces on the floor. What I didn't expect was a woman to be standing at the kitchen sink washing dishes and for the house to be pristinely clean. She was tall, dark, and nearly perfect. She turned big eyes towards me and smiled, teeth bright. Hi, girly. You hungry? I couldn't formulate a response. The woman dried her hands and pulled a plate with a baked potato and a pork chop from the oven. She set it down on the table and beckoned me over. I was pretty sure I'd died, or was hallucinating. How hard had that guy hit me? You're alive and your head is just fine, the woman told me, pulling out a chair and making me sit. Now dig in. 
I did, and it was the best meal I'd ever had in my life, though five years of spam and veggies probably made me biased. The woman continued to wash dishes as I ate. When I was finished, she took my plate and washed it as well, and then sat across from me. Who are you? I asked. How did you find pork in the apocalypse? She laughed and told me to call her Raimi. I didn't expect to find anyone here. Are you living here? I asked Raimi. She shrugged. I go where I'm needed. You came back for your mom, right? She must have seen the confusion in my face. Michael told me you were coming, and the only thing left here was your mother, so I guessed. I didn't say anything, and Raimi took my hand in hers. I buried her for you. It's my job laying people to rest, but if you want to pay your respects, she's out back in the field with your brothers. What are you? I asked then. Raimi shrugged. I'm sure there's a word for us in your language, but it doesn't matter. I'm here to lay souls to rest and help them move on. My reality had become a very weird thing. The Sheltons had a book that mentioned washers and Grisha and fallen angels seeking redemption, and for a moment I thought just maybe Raimi was one of those. But then she was guiding me out of the kitchen door and into the field, and I realized it didn't matter because I was here for Ma. Out past the fence, where we used to grow corn, four crosses rose from the soil, one newer than the others. A freshly dug grave marked Ma's spot, and that's where I knelt down and did something I hadn't done in a decade. I prayed. God and I talked about a lot of things then, some of them private. But in the end, I asked that Ma and the boys be happy and said I was thankful for Michael and Raimi. Raimi was waiting for me on the porch, and Michael was there. I didn't ask how. Raimi pulled me in for a hug and told me Ma was happy and safe and had forgiven us for leaving her for so long. I asked them where they were headed next, and Michael shrugged. Where we're needed, I guess, he said mysteriously. I spent the night in my old bedroom, and in the morning the house was empty. I packed up some of my things that I had been missing these past years, like my favorite shirt and Graham, my teddy bear. When Daddy had dragged me from our house all those years ago, there hadn't been time to pack any more than the bare necessities, and he yelled at me for taking too long. Ma hadn't been the only one I promised to come back for. In the saddle, I said goodbye for the final time and headed home to the last hurrah. You can find us west of Montgomery on a farm that can provide shelter and food in exchange for hard work and your loyalty. Follow the billboards in. God knows I've painted enough of them. This is Sheriff, at the last hurrah, and this is my broadcast. Follow me home. Don't Fear the Wasteland is a story-driven podcast by Joey Hall, chronicling Sheriff's journey in the apocalypse and broadcast as a radio show from the last hurrah in Alabama. It's an oasis for survivors in the blasted remains of the old world, or Earth as we know it now. To learn more about the wasteland where Sheriff spends her days, check out don'tfearthewasteland.com and joeyhall.com. Thanks for listening.